as Sinagra takes the knee in victory formation. The Calgary Dinos are going back to the Vanier Cup with a command performance here at home, defeating the McMaster Marauders 30-17 in the Mitchell Bowl. A team that has put together balance and precision, a team that has been through injuries all year, but they've come together, they're healthy at the right time of year, and they're going to the national championship. Dinos Unfiltered coming at you once again, Jeremy Lee, Max Sterley with you as always. Great to have you here, buddy. Great to be here, Jeremy. So this week on Dinos Unfiltered, we will be doing swimming. I just wanted to quickly uh, ask you that same question I ended off the interview with, with uh, Danica Ludlow and Peter Brothers, just around how has swimming been helpful for you? Um, I'll quickly tell my story first. If yeah, yeah, go nuts. I, I still need to think, to be honest. That's so. fine. You can think while I uh, while I tell this story. So, actually, it was out in Hawaii, and I was snorkeling and with a buddy of mine. So we were just kind of out there, and then we were out in the middle of the ocean. And at that point, my snorkel pipe had clogged up, filled up with water, something. something. Yeah, okay. it just wasn't working properly, and so it started to just fill with salt water and. You know, I, I love drinking water while I swim. I don't know why. I'm not a good swimmer by any means. Competent, yes, but good swimmer, absolutely not. I would imagine most good swimmers don't drink salt water. No. <laughs> I think you spit it out. But uh, <laughs> so for I've some reason, I've, I've been ingesting a lot of salt water, and that just really dehydrated me as well. And I just got so tired, and I swear I was going to dr- just drown right in the middle of the, the ocean there. But I uh, found a black rock that I probably should not have hung on to in case the waves came crashing in. I know you're not supposed to do that, but I had to do it anyway because I was just dying. So I was just hanging onto this rock, gathering my energy, and then somehow got the pipe to just declog itself. So thankfully that worked, but yeah, that was I thought I wasn't going to make it back to shore for sure. So that is my near-death experience, I would say, but also how swimming has been useful in my life. It's a good one. Um, now that you mentioned like near death experience in that sense, this one isn't near death, um, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, it was a couple years ago. I was up uh, in Osoyoos with some buddies just for the weekend, you know, getting out, doing some boating, playing some bocce, doing all that kind of stuff. And on the last boat trip before we drove back to Vancouver, um, we all headed out for one last wake surf, whatever. And have you ever wake surfed before? I have once. Yeah. 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 It's so, tough. Yeah. It's challenging. And, you know, having a background in skateboarding and surfing, like your traditional surfing really helps. So that was fine for me. So it wasn't, was, wasn't a big thing. Uh, but on the last one, at the start of it, I was a little bit behind the wake. So I reeled myself in to get more in it. And then I was comfortable. I was getting all ready to, you know, throw the rope. And I threw the rope, caught around my left wrist, and I get yanked, like completely yanked into the water, dragging under the water. And, and like by this point, like I'm like screaming in pain, like it really hurt. And they didn't notice for about three or four seconds before they, they stopped the boat. I was able to unhook my wrist, and then they whipped around. And in that moment, like, cause I, I lifted up my hand and it was purple and it looked like it was just dangling off my, Oh my goodness! luckily it was just a sprain. Like I got super lucky and some nice rope burn, let me tell you. 
but in that moment, even though I had a life jacket on, I wasn't really thinking, and I was swimming like crazy with my right arm and my legs, even though the boat was coming at me, whatever. So that I guess that that's it kind of relates to that. Like in, oh, yeah. in in the emergency, like my instincts just kicked in, like move your legs, move your right arm and get to where you need to go as best you can. Um, yeah, that was really painful now that I think about it, but really lucky all things considered that it wasn't, the rope didn't get caught around my head or something like that. So, Hey, glad you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. We made it two we're years later. Recovered. So, yeah. <laughs> but glad you're here and we're actually approaching your favorite time of year, right? Max? Oh God. Oh. Yes. I, I love this time of year so much. Like Christmas is great whatever but every year around this time kind of mid-november start of december is list week and that happens for everything whether it's movies music tv shows whatever it may be and we're coming up on the end of a decade uh, 2010 to 2019 so that means we are doubling down on list week and we have the list of the decade not just list of the year but we have list of the decade so you know we have been looking at especially more on the music and movie front, but a lot of lists have been coming out in the recent days about, you know, best albums, best songs, best movies of the decade. So, Jeremy, I'm going to pose that question to you first because... No, boy. I Indulge me. Uh, favorite movie of the last 10 years, which, again, we talked about before, is insane. Like, I can't believe that 10 years has flown by. 10 years ago for me was grade 10. Yeah, there's a lot that come to mind, and you were just rattling off a few of them for me to, you know, even choose from or whatever. Inception was really good. I really enjoyed that one. I could watch that a lot. But I would have to say Avengers Endgame would have to be kind number of the, one. The culmination of yeah, way too many movies, but in a, in a good way, right? In a good way. Yeah, it was like the All Star Game for sure. uh, Marvel Comics and like just having all the different characters out there, but also the, I don't know if you follow Matthew Berry at all. He's like a fantasy writer. Oh, oh man. Matthew Berry gets on my nerves. Oh, does he? I oh, mean, yeah, primarily yeah. in the sense that I don't think he's good at his job, but okay. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he had a cool story though, about how he was able to connect with the director from Avengers Endgame, And he actually got a small part in it. Throughout all he that, he just play an extra. He was or like uh, one of those shield agents. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are like fun. an extra, yeah. yeah. But there was he was talking about how it, like one scene it was just him and like two mega superstars, it was like Robert Downey Jr. and I can't remember Scarlett Joe or something like that. Yeah. So that's actually sweet when yeah. when movies do that. I I think that's becoming a trend more and more. I know Jordan Peele um, in Get Out. I think he played mm. some random extra, just you know. For giggles, honestly, just to be on screen, but yeah, yeah. But special effects and you know all that is great. It's probably an hour too long, <laughs> like most <laughs> yes, of those I movies would agree in that franchise. That. Yeah. How about yeah. for you, Max? I have a really hard time with this. Like to stick with the Christopher Nolan theme, Interstellar. You know, I know its flaws visually. That movie was outstanding, especially the practical effects they use for the black hole and the docking scene. But I have a two-way tie. Um, and I'm basing this on a number of different things, but primarily uh, how the film looked and rewatchability. Okay. Or rewatch yep. value. Yep. So the first one is The Social Network mm. uh, by David Fincher and written by Aaron Sorkin. And that movie, you know, 
is insane. I've probably watched that movie 50 times and from a baseline level, it's just people talking the entire movie. It's nothing crazy, but the pace of the movie, the tension that they're able to make with, you know, this big idea that's coming up that ends up being Facebook, like it's fascinating and it's one of those movies that goes by so quickly. You're sitting down, you're watching it and suddenly, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is running across the campus at four in the morning because an idea came to him or whatever. And the, I, I'll, I'll be quick with this, but the, the opening montage scene where he starts face mash mm. and, you know, it, it's bouncing between the different dormitories. That's one of the best scenes in the last, I don't know how long that, that scene's incredible. Did, anyway, did you think they cast uh, Jesse Eisenberg? Well, I thought they did. I, I was initially skeptical when it first came out, but, yeah, I thought he hit he the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah, really. And the second one, I might get some some flack for this, but Call Me By Your Name came out in 2017. I was with Timothy Chalamet, Army Hammer. Uh, kind of follows a love story in the in the 80s. And this movie, like again, there's some flaws in there for sure, but visually, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I think, honest to God, really, it is so perfectly done. You know, they, they do a really great job bringing it back to the local aesthetic at the time, with you know, mid-80s. And it just, like, looks like the ultimate vacation to just go around in the Italian countryside, bike, swim, play soccer. That's it. Like, it, it was so visually appealing. And the story as well is, is, is a really good one, too. And also, soundtrack was great. But Hey, I think but, that's a good yeah. uh, evaluating Don't, factor. Yeah. Oh, Hundred percent. Soundtrack. Soundtrack yeah. is always a big thing for me. But yeah. Speaking I, of soundtracks. <laughs> shoot. Hey, that's a pretty good segue. Yeah. Best song of the decade for you. Yeah. So I'm gonna base this mostly off of uh, how many times I listen to it, and I'm a big stats guy when it comes to this stuff. If you don't, but before Spotify came out, iTunes they always had that play count feature or feature, that's and right, that, yeah, and that yeah. was I love that way too much. And then when Spotify came out, um, you kind of lost that a bit. But they do have the last FM Scrobbler, quick plug, that if you want to know your, your track count or whatever, that they do that, you know, it'll link up to Spotify, whatever. Anyway, Apocalypse Dreams by Tame Impala off the Lonerism album in 2012. Favorite band for sure. And I just think, you know, there's a lot of elements to that song that you have to love. You have to love the drum pattern. You have to love the guitar solo at the end of it. You have to love the lyrics and how it ties into the rest of the album's themes. And I think it got lost in in the shuffle of so many other popular Tame Impala songs throughout this past decade. Like, um, Feels Like We Only Go Backwards, Let It Happen, which were huge mega hits. Um, but Apocalypse Dreams, I probably, before I got Spotify, had about 2,000 plays on that song. Like. Hmm. Yeah, so bit a little bit obsessive, but you know, to this day, it's still still in my rotation. So, how That's about you? Awesome. How about you? I'll have to check them out. I don't yeah. think I've heard their stuff. Oh so, yeah. yeah, they're they're amazing. Psych rock and a blend of yeah psychedelic rock and pop. It's it's pretty awesome. Well, for me, Max, I think I'm gonna have to go more mainstream. <laughs> you might not like this, but uh, I'm gonna have to go with Drake. <laughs> His Take Care album. Was oh, one of the well, best albums that album in slaps, that decade. Yeah. Honestly, hundred percent. I I listened to Marvin's Room. Oh yeah, for the first time in like seven years. The other day, it just right. came up on shuffle. 
Wow. That's anyway, a great song. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Well, from that album, yeah, I think it's got to be like the Take Care song. Yeah. Um, it was a, a two-way tie, actually, between that and Headlines. Um, headlines, it's more pump-up for me. But, yeah, I think the, the lyrics and the songwriting in Take Care was really good. And it was also, like, I don't know if it was right after, but it was around the time that, like, Rihanna was, you know, dealing with that domestic violence stuff with Chris Brown. And so it was just like, man, that was fitting. Yeah. But it was, yeah. I just remember that being such a hit. Like yeah. that whole album. And and that's that's that an time. that's an artist too that has had how many hits over the last decade. Like he has been he's been a machine when you look at it. Like everything he t- touches turns to platinum, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And he's just he won the Raptors a, a ring. Let's not <laughs> it was all him. <laughs> Let's not go that far. Next up we have best sports quote or do you yeah say? yeah yeah sports quote or sports soundbite i was thinking about this on the way here because the list idea popped in yeah like there's been so many good quotes in the sporting world over the years whether you're looking at college or amateur or professional and we were chatting a little bit before how just like music and movies or whatever you want to evaluate this is totally subjective um but the quote that i'm gonna pull or put out there um, very personal to me because I'm a huge Canucks fan and this quote certainly marked a turning point in the franchise's history it closed one chapter and um, proceeded into the next Uh, but it was when Roberto Luongo uh, kind of in the fallout of the Stanley Cup loss then getting swept by LA uh, in the playoffs the following year him coming out to a huge press conference saying my contract sucks. And he went on to say a bunch of other things, but that was the beginning of the end in his time in Vancouver. And I'm I'm such a pro Luongo guy. Like he's he's an absolute beauty to me. Right. Um, but that was really sad yeah. for me because I knew like at that point and everyone knew the collective fan base in Vancouver knew that he wasn't going to last long. And then Tortorella came in and then sat him at the Winter Classic and that was history. Right. Um, I just can't believe he just flat out came yeah, out and said that. It was so it's... candid. It was so, you know, off the cuff and honest. And I think that's why I almost like it too, because like, yeah, it, it really was not nice to hear, but right. it was, it was honest for sure. Right. And as a Canucks fan, it just kind of, the knife is wrenching from the front almost, right? Yep. Oh my God. Yep. hundred percent. How about you? Cause you were having some trouble with this. I was before. having trouble yeah. cause there's a lot of quotes, but I think they are deep in the vault, right? Yes. And from previous decades. And I don't know, there's just way too much information these days with Twitter and all that stuff. But speaking of Twitter, we'll just go there because you know, this is one of the funniest stories even that uh, I came across. And it was the Baker Mayfield mustache. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've heard much about that. A little there's bit, a yeah. lot of layers to it. So he actually showed up to the game with a full beard. Was this in college? No, no, no. This is like, this was like a beginning of November. Oh, oh, okay. And maybe I were, don't know about this. Oh, yeah. yeah. They played against the Denver Broncos and lost to them in Denver. But the context of this whole scenario was that he had shaved two times from the beginning of the game to the end. So pre-game, he showed up with a full beard, and then he shaved to just a Fu Manchu for the actual game, <laughs> and then he had just. He got rid of the the side handlebars and right. had just the little 
uh, upper lip duster <laughs> at the, for the press game conference, and he showed up in this brown trench coat, and he looked, just looked like a... Wait, he did this after a loss? Yes. <laughs> and then, so there was a... And then, so Twitter just, like, oh, they, 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 they did, torched him. They did Twitter things. They uh, torched him. And, you know, there was... I think there's, like, a three-way tie. There was one that said... Baker Mayfield shaved more times than he had thrown touchdown passes in the game. Yeah, that's that sounds correct. The second one is Baker Mayfield is like Gardner Minshew, but with three kids and an office job. <laughs> and there's a picture side by side. Gardner Minshew is just like a party rock guy. He's got shades on, handlebar mustache, bandana. And then you got what I described about Baker on the other side. <laughs> um, and then the funny one that I found that I laughed at a lot was strong divorced dad who lives at a motel showing up for his weekend visitation. <laughs> so, oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. It a lot, was a lot these are not quotes there. from actual athletes, but hey, honestly, I, like that was one of the funniest weekends of this year. It was ridiculous. So, like, if you guys haven't seen the picture of Baker Mayfield, go check it out. It's just funny. And like, you know, it's stuff like that and we, we're not going to get into a debate about the goods and bads of social media, but for whatever reason, Twitter and the reactionary nature and the quick wittiness that some people have is just unbelievable. It does not matter what the issue is, and especially in sports. Like the amount of like memes that were coming out when Antonio Brown oh, yeah. went through that whole thing is honestly like two straight hours of laughter because just more and more and more come up. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a great choice. Honestly, that's, that's awesome. Anyway, should we move on to some dino stuff? Probably. Here? Yeah, probably. We spent Pretty busy weekend. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, where do you want to start? Um, I suppose the, the big story that's, you know, it was on the CBC, so a bit of a bigger deal, but on the CBC, yes. The CBC, um, football, of course, a 30 to 17 victory over the McMaster Marauders. Um, so they're going to the Vanier, which will be pretty sweet, and they're not going to be playing Laval. Yeah, which, that was huge. Which is pretty big, honestly. Um, but again, Jeremy, the the story in this game, defense. Defense coming up big again for this team. And to be honest, there was actually a few roughing the passer penalties on the defensive side. Yes, they played well, but at the same time, I think Wayne Harris can't be happy about... Uh, the discipline yeah. side of things. Yeah. There was especially one drive early on where they had a chance to get McMaster off the field with like just a field goal attempt and rough in the passer. Yeah. Right. And it's just, those are stuff that you can just let like you have to be more disciplined. Yeah. Like what are you, the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Did you see that game? The, Sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. The Kay. Miles Garrett thing. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we won't talk. About that's that. been enough has been said about that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, Sinagra, no, no interceptions, which is great. Yep. A clean game for him, and um, Josiah Joseph was steady. Yep. He was steady with two touchdowns, one on the ground, one through the air, and his passing touchdown to Grant McDonald, yep. uh, the linebacker for the Dinos. So, yep. yeah, awesome. A, uh, Sinagra touched on it post-game, but a balanced attack, both you know spreading the ball via pass and the run. Uh, definitely led to their 30 points for Yeah, it was sure. nice for the offense to finally get most of their healthy receivers back. And, just in uh, time. Just in time, yeah, yeah for, the, for the run, right? So, I mean, 
they're missing, I believe, just Jeshra and Antwi on the running back side. Yeah. I don't know what the status is, but yeah. we'd like to see him in the Vanier yeah. because the Dinos will be taking on Les Ketterbans de Montréal. There you go. That was, you nailed it. In the 55th Vanier Cup on Saturday, I believe it is. Right? Saturday, 11 a.m. And for anyone who's interested, uh, there is a Dinos watch party at Kilkenny Pub. Uh, in Brentwood, if you're a U Calgary student and you don't know where Kilkenny's is, I there's a lot of questions there. But yeah, that's where that's where it'll be on Saturday morning. So uh, definitely head down there if you want to cheer on the Dinos in the Vanier, which will be sweet. And that'll be on CBC. Yes. Let's talk about women's basketball, men's basketball. Really good weekend for them at the Jack here. Four wins out of a possible four yep. games. Yeah, a clean sweep for. Both the men's and women's. Um, Although the men's games were a little tighter. Yes, a little yeah. bit tighter. Yeah, the women's game games were, you know, I think in the second game they started off a little bit slower, but they still managed to come away with, I think, a 16 or 18 point victory. Um, so four straight for the women to start. And I was looking just through some of the stats, and in the second game they shot 61% from the field. Like that doesn't matter how you look at it. That's, that's sick, honestly. Better numbers on my transcript. Right? Like that makes two of us. <laughs> oh, man. But for, for the men's side, it was interesting, though. We, we talked about with Dan Pearson and Max Isla on the basketball pod about how Noah Wharton looked so composed to get the game winner. And again, but this time it's Mason Foreman. Yeah, the old, on the team. Yeah. Yeah, the old steal and score to seal it in the second yeah. game. Old trusty, reliable Mason Foreman uh, comes up with that strip and score. And yeah, like again, another tight game, but it's nice to see them pull it out uh, with the with the dub. But there's the other side too, where you could say, hey, maybe there's room for improvement. Of course, of course. But I mean, when you when you start off this well and you get a weekend sweep, you know, regardless of what kind of tape you need to look at, it's it's going to be a lot easier to do that when you're coming off two wins. What's going on with the hockey front there, Max? Yeah, hockey front uh I before we get into the game specifically, uh worth noting that Haley Wickenheiser today actually or yesterday um was formally inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, the class of 2019. So congratulations to her, this, you know, former Dinos women's hockey player and current student here at the UC completing her medicine degree. Um what can you say about her? You know, it's she 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 has been one of the biggest, not only inspirations for women women hockey players, but also one of the leaders in terms of growing the game. I think that's the biggest thing. She kind of touched on it in her induction speech. It was really nice, and you know, for what it's worth, in the last three years, that's two two folks from women's hockey going to the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is amazing. Of course, Danielle Goyette in 2017. Uh, but very well deserved for Haley Wickenheiser. She's a legend not only in Canadian hockey but uh, hockey across the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And then shifting over, we'll continue on with the women's side. They swept the Mount Royal Cougars. Don't look twice. They're first place in Canada West. They have sole possession, so hey. eight, eight, eight and four overall. So quite a start for this team. Uh, Paige Michelenko, two goals and one goal in each game. And she was the female athlete of the week. So thanks for coming. Hey, um, those are nice goals too. Yeah. might I add? Yeah, yeah. The the whole team looks so much more confident. They're not, you know, they're not overthinking anything. They're just they're trusting their ability and they're working with one another, and it's paying off. Um, men's hockey 
So again, they played the Cougars. Uh, you can add two more one-goal games to the history between these two teams. It's always close. It does not matter. Mount Royal came away with the 5-4 double OT victory on the Friday game. And then the Dinos were up 4-0 in the back-end game at FDB. They ended up winning 4-3. They took their foot off the gas. Um, and they made it a game. The last two minutes in that game were something else. Um, but yeah, they, they managed to take a split. You know, two close games. That's, wh- that's what you expect from those two teams. So um, why don't we shift over to volleyball, Jeremy? Yeah. And you got it covered. Not a great weekend once again. Um, four games, two on the men's and two on the women's side, and neither team even unable to pull out a, a set victory. There's a lot of issues that need to be worked out. And again, it, I touched on it in last week's episode, I believe, just around the serve-receive and that first contact. Still an issue. Right. So you talked about earlier in the, in the, on the women's hockey side that they're trusting their abilities. And I just don't see that being the same here in, on, on the court. So right. um, I think the ability is there. I've seen it before. Like these are players that have been there before, but yeah, for whatever reason, um, just not, uh, not executing. And they go out to Regina coming up. Uh, the women do. Yep. I don't know if you knew this, Max, but, on the men's side, Regina actually got rid of their men's volleyball program. And so... When? Do you know? It was two years ago, I believe. Okay. But normally, with the Crow Child Classic against MRU, they would do one game at the Jack, right. one game at Kenyon Court. But because of the extinction of the men's program at Regina, there's an uneven schedule for the men's side. Mm. And the trickle-down effect, therefore, is that... Now, the Cougars and the Dinos take turns hosting a pair of games for the Crow Child Classic. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense, but it's unfortunate because it's nice to have, you know, one on each side. And oh, of course. And you've the answer back, you know. So, but anyway, just a little fun fact. Yeah, there. the way she goes. So, the men's team is on a bye this week. <laughs> and the women's team, they, again, will head out to Regina. So, hopefully, we can get a dub out there. Desperately need it. 0 8 right now. Yeah, and I think the last thing we want to talk about, of course, as it leads into our conversation uh, that's coming up shortly, uh, the Can- Canada West Swimming Championships in Lethbridge this weekend, November 22nd to 24th. So it kind of coincides with a bunch of other things going on, but that will also be on CanadaWest.tv, presented by Co-op. Hey, good plug there. Um... So yeah, something to look out for. Honestly, it was something that we were, we had plans to chat about, and then our conversation kind of led to different areas, and we ended up not really covering it during this conversation. But uh, definitely something to look out for this weekend as both men's and women's team head out there. There were just too many layers to Danica and Peter that we had to get through, and honestly, it was like one of my favorite conversations yeah. we've done this so yeah. far. Yeah, it was great. Our guests really were able to feed off one another and good storytellers too, I found. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So that'll do it for us. Max effort by you. (laughs) Thanks. All right, Jeremy Lee and Max Sterley in studio with you for another episode of Dinos Unfiltered. This week we jump into the swimming pool as we are with Dinos swimming members, Danica Ludlow and Peter Brothers. What an opportunity it is to have you guys here. Thank you. <laughs> what an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we're glad to be here. Yeah. Who says that, by the way? Oh, yeah, we hear that about uh, 20 times a day in practice from our coach, Mike Blundell. So. Yeah. <laughs> is, is anything not an opportunity when you're on mic? Like, uh, he, he certainly doesn't think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I heard you guys made the comment that it always comes at the most inopportune time as well. You know, when you're, like, really struggling and, like, someone telling you to go harder is, like, not what you want, <laughs> that is when Mike will, like, scream it right in your ear and he'll just keep going and going and you're just like, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I would say 90% of the time Mike's on a different wavelength than everyone else. So <laughs> he's just, uh, yeah, he's just telling us uh, what we don't want to hear, but. It, uh, it gets us going. So Sometimes you need to hear it, though, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So starting off the show, doing some preliminary research, it looked like you guys are from Victoria, B.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with you, Max, right? I'm from Vancouver. But oh, you're from Vancouver. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> Sorry. And I grew up, grew, up on, uh, grew up on Bowen Island, so pretty close, but okay, not, yeah, nice. not Victoria. <laughs> it's all good. My bad. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> this is only episode 12, yeah. so... Um, <laughs> But doing a deeper, deeper dig into things, you guys are actually from different locations, right? Is that correct? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, we both kind of uh, traveled around, and we ended up in Victoria for a couple years together, and then now we're here in Calgary together. So. Right. So you're from Australia originally, right? Yeah, Sydney, Australia. I was born and raised there. Um, moved to Canada when I was around 10 years old. Um, moved north in northern bc to prince george um and then was there for a couple years and then moved down to victoria for four years and now in calgary are you disappointed you don't have an accent or as thick of one um kind of (laughs) i pick it up pretty fast when i go back but um i lost it pretty fast uh, moving over here when i was so young um there's a couple words that the guys get me in practice for um a couple sayings yeah so what is it Instead of Oreo, she's Ario. Ario. Yeah. <laughs> and like I call it a drink bottle and they just like think that's like so funny. So a couple of things here and there that our guys really get me for. But um, yeah, no accent anymore. And then for you, Peter, you're from Grantsburg, Wisconsin. I am. Correct? Yeah. The uh, gateway to Crex Meadows, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, can't say I remember anything from Grantsburg. I moved to Canmore. Uh, grew up in Canmore since I was just just about two years old and then partway through middle school moved to Victoria spent 10 years there and then transferred back to good old Alberta well there you go so what, what's your favorite part about Victoria both in the sense of city-wise things to do and then your favorite part about growing up there and spending some you know a key time in your life there uh, I love Victoria. It's still the place that I would like to end up. Um, being by the ocean is like such a huge thing for me. I find that like mentally I'm just at a like, better place when I'm by the ocean. And uh, just the opportunities that they have in Victoria are just huge. Um, there's just like so much surfing and hiking and just everything to do on the island. And you get the small town vibe, even though that you're so close to all these big amenities. So, so by extension, are, do, do you surf a lot? I don't surf, but oh, Peter does surf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, I, my Maybe love for recently. <laughs> yeah, my love for surfing is uh, is aching right now just because <laughs> I can't go every day. But yeah. Um, yeah, as Danica said, like you get that small town feel with 
uh, enough around to lots to do. Can't complain about the weather, especially during the winter months. It's pretty mild. And yeah, somewhere I would want to end up later in life for sure. What's your stance on wetsuit or not when you're surfing? Oh, wetsuit for sure. Oh, there, especially. It's so cool. Yeah, I've surfed in like nine degree water, which is oh, very, cool. very, very cold. Well, that can't be enjoyable, can it? Well, I like when you have such a thick wetsuit and you have to have boots and gloves and a hood okay. and and everything. Yeah. And you're once, moving a lot. Like yeah, this, yeah, once you get going, it's it's really fun. I I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's like one of my favorite things to do, but. I would rather have the water be warmer and not wear a wetsuit. That would be even more ideal, but it's the way it goes. So by proximity, I imagine you've been to Tofino then a fair bit to surf. Yeah, yeah. Tofino, um, Sombrio. It's kind of a hidden place that not not, not a lot of people know about uh, a in Victoria. Place. Yeah. yeah, it's closer to, than Tofino. You can do it in like a day trip mm. versus taking like a couple of nights to do a full Tofino trip. And last question about the surfing thing. Is there a particular spot wherever you've been from a surfing perspective that's your, your OG? Oh, um, yeah, I like Sombrio just because that's kind of where I really learned and started going more, more consistently, got to get used to uh, the break and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I really want to uh, expand where I've been surfing. So um, planning on doing a trip this summer hopefully hawaii yes i yeah, have man. been in hawaii oh, hawaii is very fun we uh, went on a training camp to hawaii a couple of years ago and the two guys went out and they came back like lobsters yeah. <laughs> they were out there the whole day our one day yeah. off training um they came back yeah. just red we, as can be yeah we went we rented boards for a week straight and we were swimming like 14k a day biking 14k a day <laughs> doing weights and surfing because I just, I needed to get the surfing and while I was in Hawaii. Yeah. So. We, we were training 6 to 8 a.m., 6 to 8 p.m., and these guys would be out the whole day. It was, oh. it was dirty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I found the back of the knees to be where I sunburned the most when I was surfing out there or yeah. trying, to, trying to learn. Everywhere for me. <laughs> for yeah. yeah. There's not one particular place. No space is safe on your skin, hey? No, no, no especially mine. I got the ginger gene in me a little bit, so. <laughs> got to keep that at bay. Yeah. All right. At, at this point, um, do you do you surf small board at this point? Like, are you a pretty uh, talented surfer? My or? own personal board is a 6-1, six so six it's, one? like, pretty small. But, um, honestly, I, I enjoy surfing, like, an 8-foot board more just because you can catch more waves. Um, it's easier. A little bit more control. More control. I'm not not doing like big turns or anything. I just want to <laughs> ride the wave and kind of uh, coast on it. So that's what I like to do. What led you guys to come out to Calgary anyway for swimming? Yeah, I think it was just the combination of swimming and school here. Mm. Um, we're both, we were both looking for a bit of a high performance training space. Um, and they have a couple national training centers in Canada, but Calgary definitely has the best of both worlds here. Um, we make fun of Mike and like we bug him a lot, but um, he's one of the best coaches in Canada. And then combined with um, everything that we can get at the university, that was the best option for me and I think for Peter as well. Yeah, like I just wasn't getting what I wanted out of school when I was in Victoria. I really struggled and I knew it was 
going to be hard to do both if I continue to stay in Victoria. Right. And when I came here for a recruiting trip a long time ago, I really like Calgary. I like what Mike had to offer, like what the university had to offer. Again, close to where I grew up in Canmore, so it was a bit familiar. And I already had some friends from other national teams that were on the team currently. So it was kind of a perfect fit for me. For both of you, is there any particular stories that stick out from the recruiting process? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Tristan? Yeah, so yeah. my current roommate now is the guy that I spent in his dorm room. Uh, he took me around, showed me the whole campus. Um, yeah, I just had a really good time. We went to, uh, it was the uh, Crow Child Classic. Uh, it was that weekend as well. And Tristan ended up winning free tuition for no himself way. while he was, was there. The beer pong yeah, game, the beer, right? the beer yeah, pong, the beer pong in the yeah. on the in between periods. Crazy. Yeah. Um, the backstory of Tristan though is like he is naturally talented at like yeah everything he can do except everything. for surfing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like he he just like picks Shots things fired. up yeah. really fast, and so that's why that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was really good, and um, I went to UBC, I went here, uh, I was already at UVic, so uh, yeah, Calgary really stood out for me, and haven't looked back since. And for you, Danica? Um, my recruiting trip was a little bit later, um, because I finished high school in 2014, and then came on a trip in 2016, um, just before I was trying to figure out what to do um, in Victoria. And so um, originally I actually didn't <laughs> fall in love with the school. It wasn't love at first sight or anything like that. Um, but Heard of that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, apparently that's well known. <laughs> um, but after, um, I think I just was still unsure of what I was going to do. So I was hesitant to commit to anything. And mm. then after everything happened, uh, we had Olympic trials that year. Um, in 2016 and then I just had decided that I needed a change and I'm glad that I came on a recruiting trip here and I decided that after looking back on it that this was the place that I wanted to be. Were there any other schools you, you were considering? Like I'm sure there yeah. were but any, um, anything in particular? Yeah after high school I was looking at going to the NC2A. Um, for a while there I had committed to UCLA um, that was kind of my top pick. Uh, I thought I was going there but I just moved to Victoria um, in my last year of high school, and I just didn't feel like I was ready for another move after that. I was really enjoying what we had in Victoria with the center. After giving it some time, I didn't think that the NC2A was for me, and I'm glad that I made that decision now. And based on your knowledge throughout the whole experience, first committing and then switching over, yeah. are there any fundamental differences between you know swimming up here versus down in the States that, that you know of? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um, the big thing that I experienced was um, when you're looking at the states, from my experience, you're more so just a number. And I found here I was an individual and they were ready to help me in any way. Um, where in the states, I really was just someone that needed to swim fast um, to really stay on the team. And that's kind of all I was to the university. Um, so that's like how I felt. But also, I never ended up going there. So it's a bit of a harsh yeah, totally fair. Yeah, but yeah, just totally different. When you guys made the transition to Calgary, I'm just curious if altitude plays a, a part in swimming at all. Yes, very yes? much so. Really? Okay. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a big, big difference. Uh, every like other team, whether it's UBC or Toronto or whatever, they come here and they're 
And I was like, oh, it's so hard to breathe. They're struggling. Uh, Definitely a home court advantage then. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's really good for uh, your aerobic capacity to train at altitude year round. I mean, and we're not super high, so it's not like we're killing our bodies to the point of just like no repair. But yeah, it's good to go back down to sea level and race at sea level and, and feel the difference for sure. Faster times, hey? Yeah. yeah yeah just uh, easier okay yeah especially both of us swim um like he peter swims more on the distance side than i do but um those distance races just about halfway through um you're still just breathing a little bit more smoothly than when you're here in calgary um we've done altitude camps up in flagstaff that's around seven seventy five hundred feet and um that just like really kills you. So here in Calgary, I feel like we're just at, a, at the good amount of altitude where we can train through. But then when you go down to altitude, you, you start feeling good. Right. Quickly want to ask you about your mustache, Peter. <laughs> it is Movember. It is. Does it mess with the hydrodynamics at all when you're in the water? <laughs> uh, it doesn't. Not necessarily the hydrodynamics. It definitely gets in my mouth when I breathe. In, like, <laughs> That's uncomfortable. When it gets so long. But I'm used to... I'm used to having like the full beard, so. So normally you swim with the the full beard. Yeah, unless unless okay. it's like a big meet, then I'll shave it off. We have to shave yeah. everything yeah. as a swimmer yeah. for big competitions. So, yeah, I just gotten used to it. But what's the equivalent of a playoff beard, like you would have in hockey? But like, so right. what, what would you? Yeah, so uh, basically, you just grow it until the big meet comes, uh, whether that's like. <laughs> three months out, two months right. out, whatever you want to do, really. But a lot of swimmers can't, uh, like, at least on our team, there's not a lot of guys that can grow the full beard, so they just look... Uh, a little scruffy. Yeah, we usually do... A little, a little homeless, <laughs> yeah, one yeah, might yeah. say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we usually do, no, like, we do dry season, so from New Year's until U Sports is when you can't drink and you can't shave. Right. And then uh, at U Sports, we have this tradition, we do silly beards, they're so, awful. Uh, you, awful. The, the day before, you shave something funny. So oh, one year, yeah, I yeah. did a hook. No. Uh, <laughs> last year, I did the Mo Shroot with a, the heterite. Oh, yeah. Uh, God. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> nice little office reference yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it gets pretty funny. But yeah, just something I've gotten used to. The hair so much doesn't take off that much time. But shaving makes you feel really, really good in the water. It changes how you feel and just makes you want to swim fast. It's really just taking the top layer of skin off. Um, so then when you're swimming, you just feel really like smooth and like everything is more sensitive, I would right. say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely something I was not thinking of. That's <laughs> super interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, while we're kind of on the topic of trying to be more hydrodynamic or more streamlined, how have you seen technology play a part in helping swimmers get faster and stronger even from the equipment side there's not much gear yeah. that you guys have on well there is a huge time period that is what's no, like kind of known as like the band suits yeah era. The, su the super suit area the super er suits er era. era um so these <laughs> were um the suits that we wear um around 2008 or 2007 they came out with these techno this technology that was quite similar to a wetsuit but 
Um, yeah, I remember helped, that. It helped yeah. with buoyancy and they were full body. So they went chest to ankles right. for men and women and just world records kind of fell left and right. Um, there were only just getting back to some of those world records now. And so then they got totally banned and suits kind of went back and <laughs> they went back to uh, the men went from hips to knees and women went from chest to knees. So it really changed then um, all this. Um, swimsuit companies had to go back and change what they were making the suits out of. Like it was a huge kind of sweep through um, so in technology and swimming. So with everything going on, like records dropping left and right, like you said, was it based on the fabric, the material, and was it kind of like a domino effect where one federation banned it and then it just no, yeah. So FINA, the like FINA is basically the FIFA for swimming. Yeah. Like the governing yeah. body. Yeah. yeah. So uh they banned the suits at their big competitions. So that basically meant that They wiped them out. Yeah, right. you right. can't you couldn't use them. And they were basically completely water resistant, like double, triple paneled suits. And people some people uh there's one guy, Ian Thorpe, who's notorious for wearing like multiple of them. Like he the would torpedo. Put, wow. yeah, yeah, he would put multiple of them on. And he was back in two thousand. Yeah, right. and wear yeah. them right to his wrist. And so But these suits like helped with like the buoyancy. So people were just yeah. like sitting higher in the yeah. water. It, it took less effort. It changes to sit higher. Yeah, it yeah, changes yeah. your body position your in the water. It changes your stroke. Some people benefit more from it than others because of their body shape, body type. But keep in mind like these suits like cost around a thousand dollars. Um like they would take like thirty to forty minutes to get on. Like it was a process to get these on and like they would rip down the seams. Like you'd be wearing gloves trying to pull these on. Like I just remember remember some yeah. crazy stories um watching these like older swimmers trying to get these thousand dollar suits on and just like ripping them down the ass like <laughs> and just oh. being like okay well there goes yeah. that you know who yeah. is who is the primary manufacturer of these suits do, do you J-Kid. know J-Kid. yeah jkid was like the known one f- for having like super buoyant uh yeah. but every company speedo, speedo. Yeah. uh and now the suits they're starting to progress a little bit more with what they can do within the guidelines that FINA gives them. Uh, but, yeah, there's some companies that have kind of just stayed the same in the last yeah. five, ten years. For many years, the suits were just were stagnant. Like, they stayed right. exactly the same. No one really knew where to go. They would try something new, and it would just fail so mm. bad. Yeah. They were just they were trying everything, and it just nothing was really working that well. So yeah. they're really trying some new things now, and I think things will start to change yeah. again, and then we'll s- see what happens. So I just wanted to chat a little bit about your guys's international racing, and obviously it's taking you guys around the world. So for you, I, you were able to represent Canada and the senior men's team um, in Tokyo. Yeah. So. so two summers ago in 2018, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was in Tokyo for Pan Pacific Championships, uh, which is basically just all the countries touching the Pacific Ocean. Uh, and that was a really cool experience. Got to yeah, be on my first senior team, experience what it's like to race the best in the world. And uh, yeah, I was uh, a learning experience I'll never forget. And I had an awesome time. What was the biggest thing you noticed difference-wise between the junior national and the senior national team? Um, how fast people go out. Junior mm. national team, like, yeah. I could stay with 
people and have a race and stuff, but at the senior level, those guys just aren't afraid to attack the start of a race. They'll drop you as soon as they can and just keep going. Um, something that I hope to be able to do one day. Um, a little bit more training and stuff, but yeah. Uh, They're just explosive, I guess, hey? Yeah, yeah. Like in the long distance races, which is what I specialize in, it's basically how tough can you be at the start and hold on. Oh, okay. So, so it's important to get out to a good start yeah. and maintain that. Yeah, if you're left behind at the start of the race, you're, like that's what I found. I was demotivated right off the beginning. I was in a place I didn't want to be at the first 100 of 1500 meters so yeah you got to put yourself in the race at the beginning or else it's going to go downhill from there it's hard to hard to make it back up i remember seeing a race at the olympics i think it was one where katie ledecky was winning by a a long shot it was one of those where she was going one direction and you You know last place was going the other yeah Yeah, or no one else no one else was in their widescreen right yeah that's it that's another thing like she's so dominant because Again, she's not she's afraid ballsy. to. Yeah, she's not yeah. afraid to drop people right off the start. She doesn't mess around with she's a tough with swimmer. waiting. Yeah. yeah, she'll she'll tough out a race, um, and I think that's why she separates herself. Yeah, she's she's ready as soon as the buzzer thing goes off. The gun, I guess. Yeah, yeah. she um, she'll go out fast and she gets rid of people straight away, and then she gets into the zone because she's she's got no one around. Right. So yeah. the key really, really is to have confidence in yourself that you can hold that lead. Yeah, exactly. Confidence is such a huge thing in swimming and the pool doesn't lie. That's kind of one of the sayings that you kind of get out what you put in and, uh, knowing that you've done the training to back what your goals are is a really big part of the sport. You've won 400 meters and you've won 1500 meters as well. Um, do you prepare for those differently? Mentally and physically, I guess. Um, mentally, it's about the same. Like, I know I'm gonna go in and rehearse what I practice in training every day, day in, day out. Slight differences in training, but uh, the majority of it's just long, boring swimming. Um, <laughs> with uh, and then by one, yourself. Yeah, by myself. <laughs> yeah. I spend a lot of time in the outside lanes in practice. Just grinding it out but that's what i got to do to to reach my goals and absolutely um for the 400 yeah it's good to get in with some of the other guys in the group and just race hard and that's really the difference is just the slight speed change between what i have to go in 400 meters versus what i have to go in 1500 meters physically wise though do you prefer racing the 400 first or the 1500 first Probably the 400 first and then the 1500. The 1500, it takes so much out of you. So the next day you're spending a lot of time recovering just from the race. Right, right. Whereas the 400, it's, yeah, you are going faster and it might be more muscularly demanding, but uh, you can recover from it faster. I see. Just for reference, like a 1500 swim takes like 15 minutes, where I know with a run it takes about like four and a half, so... It's a pretty long race. And we were chatting about this off air before you guys showed up, just about, you know, when you're in there and you finally get going, you have a lot of time to think, especially with these <laughs> distance races. And, you know, it's going to be different across every sport, whether you, you know, think in sequences or you think about, you know, specific timing or whatever it may be. So for, this question's for both of you, but maybe more related to distance. 
what's going through your head when you're when you're in the pool for 15 minutes like that's that's crazy to me yeah um so sometimes okay ideally (laughs) in the best case scenario it goes by quicker than you think you are just in the motion of things uh things are clicking and you don't really have time to think yeah you're 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 motivated and you're just going through the motions yeah you're uh looking at like the people around you if there's people around you and you're just thinking about the next 50 the next 25 whatever how much Uh, you've got left yeah uh when will this be over (laughs) yeah but yeah then there's the other side of it where uh you you make it to 800 meters and then you've been shot and (laughs) you start to drown in the pool and your mind and the, the starts, coach walks yeah, away you're, you're, and what an opportunity yeah <laughs> you, you yeah. start to just it's a downward spiral into slow motion misery <laughs> and you're just when is this going to end and every part of your body hurts and you're thinking about how bad this is going to be and, and then everything. you start thinking about what would happen if you just got out early <laughs> It's save like, yourself the trouble. Yeah, exactly. Limit. Yeah, it's an unlimited amount of things that can go through your head. But uh, yeah, when you're in the zone, you're in the zone. Like that's the best way I, that I can put it. Mm-hmm. So just to follow up here, is there something in particular that you know when you're going through the motions, it's just constant repetitions and making sure everything's on point. Is there something you know for each of you that even if it's super small, that gets you out of your rhythm, and you're like, oh, man, I have to get this back, otherwise it's over. Uh, like, during, while we're racing? Yeah, yeah. Um, For me, it's, uh, like, turns. Uh, if I mistime a wall, that really throws me out of a rhythm. So uh, I've been practicing just uh, kind of cueing in back to turns, uh, whatever that cue is, whether it's uh, keeping my hips tight or whatever. So... Right. Uh, something I've been practicing in workout, but again, kind of all your all your bad habits in a race are accentuated by what you do in practice every day. Sure. Yeah. So you fall back onto whatever you've been doing. So it's really in practice. It's just keeping consistent and working your turns, whatever it is, to keep your momentum going in a race. Yeah, whatever you do day in and day out in practice, because we do practice so much. Um, if you can do the right technique and practice and the right turns and the right underwaters and everything, um, when you're racing, it really just like happens. There's not a lot of thought personally. It's just what you are used to at that point. Um, so it's second nature at this point, I think, um, 20 years of swimming. So yeah. just building, building good habits, I suppose. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. One day, one day at a time. Yeah. 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 Do you guys scout opponents by any chance or do you, we all know each other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a small world, I think, in swimming, especially in Canadian swimming. The top swimmers, like, um, we've all been swimming together for 10 plus years now. So we know everything about so each other. So f- for you, Danica, you actually went down to the Pan Am Games in Peru Yeah, recently. just last summer. So even, th- let's take that example for yeah. a, s- a second. Um, but that Argentinian girl who was kind of out in front, like, yeah. did, did you even no going in kind of thing like that she would be one of the top swimmers and um i did actually because um one of the coaches had talked to me about it and this that was their like goal meet um they had the worlds and she actually didn't taper for it so Mm. we knew that that was going to be her big meet and she actually swam a lot slower than we thought she was going to um for me to be as close as i was uh, is a bit of a shock to me and probably a shock to her as well (laughs) 
So um, I knew all of her, um, and I knew her best time is top 10 in the world. So um, I knew that she was going to be fast. And um, honestly, I went after that race pretty ballsy for how I swim. Um, and I just, I had to. I oh, yeah. saw that the pace was moving pretty slow at the start, um, and I decided to be the person to push it. So... <laughs> So when you're in the pool, though, how much are you focused on your opponents versus focused on how you're doing personally? It really depends on the race. Um, I think that if you're further ahead, it gives you the chance to really focus on the little things that you're doing and like focus on what you're doing. Um, in a race as close as Pan Am's, yeah. um, where there was the four of us in the final 50, like I knew that they were there, um, but um, I put my head down and... I was in a lot of pain at that point, so <laughs> I was just trying to get to the wall. Um, but you know what they're there, and you, you can tell. Um, we both some freestyle, and you're looking both ways, so it's quite easy to tell what your opponents are doing on either side of you. What's your favorite stroke right now that you're not training for? Oh. Like that you wish you were <laughs> racing? I, I do freestyle, and I can only swim backstroke. So there's, there's other strokes, but... Um, I am a bit of a grandma now, and I just do backstroke and freestyle. So, yeah, so yeah. that's that. Yeah, it's a bit too late to be branching out into other <laughs> yeah. strokes at this point. But yeah. um, what's on the back burner for you, Peter? That you're that you're, <laughs> you're missing out year. on? Yeah, maybe next year. You know, I might Sprint train life. some breaststroke and do the two <laughs> IM or something. But I wish I did shorter events. But same stroke. Yeah. So like I, a fifty. Yeah. Like really. 50, that's ideal. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's the every swimmer's dream is. is to swim 50 free, yeah. but my body type doesn't allow that. So <laughs> do so what you're good at, I suppose. What's the body type for 50? Uh, big. big. Michael Phelps body. Not, no, well, not no. even. Bigger, bigger than Michael than Phelps. Yeah. Yeah. Like those guys those, are like Those jacked. big guys are like six foot seven, six, six foot eight. eight. But I noticed they're thick too. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, yeah, they swim for 20 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before their they stroke sink, rate, their like stroke rate is high. Their kick yeah. is strong. Like yeah. they pull a ton of water. Yeah. And most of them will just do the 50. Um, the guy who's the current, who has the current fastest time in the 50 free, he's probably about my height but probably has 30 40 pounds on me and it's all muscle we touched on it at the top both of you are very well traveled at this point via swimming as a vessel so i'm kind of curious for both of you was there has there been any point whether you know like both of you mentioned where you kind of looked around and thought to yourself how on earth did i get here whether it's in tokyo whether it's in peru or taiwan mm -hmm. where you're just like i have no clue how this happened uh, that's one of the things I'm going to miss most about this sport. That, like, the traveling and the people you get to meet and be around every day. A lot of sports, uh, and university sports in Canada, travel pretty locally um, in the conference, maybe across Canada, but that's about it. But we get to travel all across North America, internationally, and, and everything like that. Um, for me, I probably had one of the best times ever after Tokyo, just experiencing what the culture had to offer, being there with friends, um, having like such a good time there. And then again, this summer in Italy, like at uh, World University Games, I got to experience like all the good food and all the good scenery. And I don't know what I would do without those experiences as a swimmer. Like they, that's what really motivates 
both of us to keep going is to go on those trips and see other places in the world and and meet new people so how big of a part did pasta play in your diet in italy oh yeah <laughs> uh, a lot uh well we were in naples so pizza was the thing oh yeah i guess so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so they they were like the pizza there i i couldn't eat pizza when i came back it was like a totally different meal oh it's garbage here. yeah <laughs> like it it didn't even it didn't even taste real we got off the plane after a grueling travel day uh found the nearest local like pizza place and when we got to naples and we were euphoric. Like, <laughs> we couldn't believe it. It was like, it made it all worth it, you know? Absolutely. It changed our whole outlook on life, pizza. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And the food that they had at the uh, accommodations at the uh, university games was really good, too. And uh, could have made some bad choices, but tried to keep it, <laughs> tried to keep it as good as I could. Yep. Yeah, good. same sort of thing with me. Um, this summer, standing on the podium and... Um, I think the first day I had the Fornifree, I won a silver medal, and that was, like, amazing, and that just happened very fast. Um, and then I got to get back up, and we won a silver medal in the 4x2 uh, three days later. And I think that, that was the moment that um, that really meant a lot to me because uh, standing up on the podium with three other girls, I think, is really amazing. And just thinking back, like, I had such an awful year of training um, I was out of the water November to January, which is a pretty long time in swimming, and then made the Pan Am team, which was like just a surprise to everyone. And then to be on the podium was like even just a shock to myself and a shock to everyone. Um, so I think that that was the moment um, that I was really just like in love with the sport again. And like the stands were packed in um, Peru, and they they had no idea what they were cheering for, but they were cheering loud. Um, so that was just uh, that was the best moment. I wanted to quickly ask you guys about relays and just the team dynamics yeah. and okay, you're excited for this. Oh, yeah. Relays are so fun. Um, we really only get to do, I mean, we get to do both the four by 100 meter and the four by 200, but the four by 200, I think speaks better to both of us <laughs> a little bit more on the distance side for us, but uh, I love relays. They're one of my favorite parts about swimming. So do you feel the same way, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Standing up with three other guys amped up behind the blocks is way better than doing it on your own. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's really cool swimming and uh, like youth sports and Ken West and that kind of stuff. That Yeah, swimming is an individual sport, but each individual builds towards a team goal and a team placing. So I like that aspect of it it's in, in the university world. So being able to do it for your team with other guys on the team makes it just that much special, more special. And, uh, yeah, I get to swim the hunter free, which I don't get to very often. So it's really, really good. Yeah. And you know that like everyone's in the same pain train that you are as well. Um, and I think that you just get like this wild rush of energy when you're swimming a relay. Cause you know that you've got three other people that are relying on you. Um, so I think that it's safe to say we've both thrown down some dirty splits on a relay, I think. So, yeah. Is there a lot of chirping going on at relays? Um, Weather. It depends how you're around, I guess. I feel like yeah. that's more on the guy's side. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's more of friendly chirping, I okay, guess. Okay. Guys, you're, guys yeah. you're actually friends with uh, from other okay. teams. Uh, like, do you, you flex on the other team? Yeah, like you can okay. poke poke fun of them and, and kind of get under their skin a little bit before the blocks. But, uh, like... 
I'm not going to say that to somebody I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be pretty rude, but yeah, it mo- it's mostly civil unless, uh, unless it's one of your good buddies. Mm-hmm. We're almost wrapping up here, but I just wanted to quickly ask you guys from a swimmer's perspective, what can you appreciate about someone like Michael Phelps and what he's done in the pool and 28 medals overall, yeah. I believe it is. I think 21 gold. 23 gold, I think it was. Yeah. I think it's hard to even talk, like, to wrap your head around something like that. Um, Just as, like, just not being at that level, it's just, like, is so amazing. And um, I think for both of us, it's just we know how much hard work would have had to go go into that to get that result. It's just the amount of hours and that you're putting into a swimming pool to, to for something like that to happen. And like, there's people everywhere that are just doing some insane things with swimming. The more that swimming becomes popular, the better it is for everyone. And like, we've really benefited from the popularity that swimming has gotten in the past 20 years. Um, so I think um, when people do crazy things like that, um, it's just it's awesome to be around. Yeah, he he's changed the sport completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he didn't take a day off for five years, not one, not Christmas, not his birthday, nothing. Like he trained day in and day out because he knew what he wanted to get to. And like, you got to have that mentality. Like it's one thing to separate yourself from other local swimmers, other national swimmers, other, but he's doing it internationally. He's separating himself from everybody else in the world by what he's doing in training. And you got to have a special kind of drive to be able to do that and i find that very uh motivating and inspirational to try and do better myself for sure one question a bit on the lighter side uh worst pool you've ever swam in and why oh um williams lake um back in 2010 (laughs) doesn't even sound like a pool oh it was it's a five lane 25 meter pool um i just have the worst experience it was like negative 25 and the fire alarm went off while we were racing so we had to get out and go stand outside in like these cold suits um in like negative 25 weather and uh it was awful and then they canceled the meet and we all went home so (laughs) no it was an awful pool though it's like it's dark in there and it's like moldy and uh it's nasty that's williams lake bc williams lake bc Yeah. yeah Uh, <laughs> the Rio of the North. Yeah. 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 Uh, giving me the time to think about it opens so many bad <laughs> memories. But um, the, <laughs> one pool I remember, uh, it had like a fiberglass uh, bulkhead. And if you put your back on it, you just, you got so itchy that it, it like all the fiberglass would stick into you. No. Cause, oh, no. And then uh, another time we were at a meet and they had a kitty pool as our like warm up warm down pool maybe oh. I, or <laughs> yeah. surrey or something just i don't know yeah, <laughs> just, and uh yeah there was like 600 kids trying to warm up oh, and yeah, warm down <laughs> in a kitty pool to yeah, go race it's like two feet deep yeah trying to do flip turns yeah yeah everyone's running into each other yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm just visualizing this some, yeah. of the, some of the pools are bad though and yeah. you just you just got to realize that everyone's in the same boat yeah. you know most, you're all in the same boat most people don't think swimming is a contact sport but those warm-ups if you get into a warm-up at yeah. an age group meet you're gonna get 1500 kids in uh 16 <laughs> lanes uh it's pretty awful get a couple of black eyes here and there <laughs> i always keep my nails a little bit longer <laughs> yeah no it's not good 
one other question I wanted to ask just before the episode, Mike rolled by into his office and I asked him, do you have any last minute dirt on these two that we can ask? <laughs> and he said, there is so much dirt, but he didn't want to tell me. <laughs> so now that you guys have the platform here and the doors are closed, what dirt do you have on Mike that you think you can share? Um, oh. uh, Mike can't count. <laughs> to 10. To anything. <laughs> He was born oh pre in the pre-Cambrian era. Yeah, he's like 1,600 years old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> His hearing's going out the window. Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> walks like a dinosaur. He's got the, the stompers on, you know, those big grandpa shoes. Oh, yeah. He yeah, rocks yeah. those day in yeah. and day out. The poor man shows up like every morning workout with his shirt inside out. <laughs> um, yeah. What else? <laughs> he's uh, he's a one of a kind guy, but uh, he's fun to have on the pool deck. Uh, yeah, he makes us laugh, and I think that that makes everything a bit easier. Yeah. Oh, he's awful to travel with. Never travel with Mike Blondell. <laughs> <laughs> everything goes south. <laughs> Sleeping arrangements and uh, on the plane, like. Even? From the time you leave your house <laughs> to the time you get to wherever your destination is, <laughs> something pr- goes wrong. Plan for everything to go wrong. <laughs> Lose your luggage, miss your flight, not know when your flight is. Who needs the amazing race when you have Mike Blondell as a travel partner, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. The best is like he tries to get have these really really serious speeches with us before practice, like if we're goofing around or something. <laughs> so he's like getting all angry. He's He's punching the board, you know, he's like being really serious and he then he just like goes off and he just like try then he sees that we're all super serious, so he tries to say something funny after. <laughs> and we're like, Wait, yeah. no, you were just getting mad at us and he's like trying to make a joke or like, like We're just, trying to match you right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. uh he's just all over the place. So safe to say you can expect a hard practice after he hears this. Uh, probably Maybe. We've, we've had a pretty hard week Peter's been doing some long workouts so I don't know yeah. if it can get any worse <laughs> yeah hopefully not but <laughs> hopefully at the same time it makes me better <laughs> okay so we'll get you guys out on this people often state that swimming is a crucial skill in life to have give me your best story on how swimming has gotten you out of trouble or has proved to be useful in a life situation? Honestly, <laughs> no, not, not very often. Uh, I mean, <laughs> surfing <useless>. actually, <laughs> yeah. surfing yeah. because like if you get, if you get like, oh, you fall over the, the falls or get knocked out like in the water, it's hard to battle against those waves that are coming next. And uh, I'm really glad that I'm a strong swimmer and I can confidently get by that if, I don't think my liking for surfing would be as high if I wasn't as good of a swimmer. That's a good point. Uh, So that's one real-life aspect, I suppose. I can only really think of, like, all the stupid stuff that we get away with because we're good swimmers. Like, I'm just thinking back. We went to Hawaii two years ago and we went to that bay and there was like coral yeah and the the water was maybe like not even a foot over the coral and we like all 10 of us thought it would be a good idea to just swim over it and like looking back on it now like that was so stupid like if there was a wave we would have got wrecked on this (laughs) coral reef but we were like oh you know what we're good swimmers like we'll swim over 100 meters (laughs) of coral out into the open ocean like it's totally fine and like no one else is out there like it's literally just us we have to swim there because 
because we want to go find turtles and we're like diving down like 15 meters trying to find these turtles and then we have to swim back over the coral reef yeah. like just like yeah. scraping our stomachs like just stupid yeah. stuff wondering and why like, nobody else was out there <laughs> <laughs> because right. you no, literally are going 10 minutes over a coral reef like scraping your stomach and we're all like yeah we've got fins on we've got our snorkels like we're like oh it's totally fine but like we're confident yeah Yeah. looking back on it it's just like stupid stuff that we're like oh it's fine we can swim (laughs) this is normal yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) if this wave comes we're all gonna get wrecked but (laughs) it's totally okay (laughs) yeah another uh another thing actually that just came to mind was uh i was paddleboarding in victoria and it's right after i got back from tokyo actually so i was super jet lagged and i left in the morning when it's super calm paddled about an hour then i just laid there just whatever soaking up the sun go to turn back and i realized that the fin that keeps the board straight on the like on the bottom had fallen off and (laughs) and obviously it's like starting to get afternoon the wind's starting to pick up yep yep it took me it took me probably two hours it took me yeah two hours to paddle back because i couldn't use the the actual paddle on the stand-up paddle board. I had to put the paddle on the board and then no swim uh, on it. So I feel like we're more reckless because we know we have the swimming skills. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was. Oh well, we're still alive, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a bit of a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Could have gotten out stranded in the middle between Victoria and uh, yeah, Vancouver. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming in. It was a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. This episode of Dinos Unfiltered is a presentation of Dinos Athletics. Episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our website, godinos.com. Make sure to check out the website or the Go Dinos app for schedules and tickets to all your favorite games. And if you can't make it out to the game, remember that our games are streamed on Canada West TV presented by Co-op. Thanks to my special guests today and hope you'll join us in the next episode.